0: You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 376, Radio 2 have appointed
1: a woman as host of The Breakfast Show, but is it the right woman?
0: Changing the lyrics to classic hits to make them more acceptable, and up above the streets and houses, we remember
2: Rainbow. It's all coming up after Two Door Cinema Club, and
0: what you know. In a few weeks, I will get time to realise It's right before my eyes and I can take it If it's what I want to
2: Always seems on the verge of having Massive hit singles But they never quite make the top 40 Though their albums are huge sellers Um, And their music has been used in lots of TV shows Mm. uh, Movies, video games From which I I expect they derive A healthy income from that Uh, That's a single from their first album 2010's Tourist History Two Door Cinema Club and What You Know.
1: I absolutely love that. I think mm. it's one of the better, better sort of indie songs of modern times. And I, I had a, a, a an SOS message from a friend of mine's boyfriend fairly recently, who is. Um, well, he's got quite a serious day job, but he, he used to DJ in nightclubs for many, many years and uh, he is, you know, still still quite cool, mm. I think. I think he's at sort of early fifties. But um he said You can you
2: can be cool uh, after you reach the age of fifty, you yes, know. Yes, I
1: know. And and I speak as someone that's been to four 50th birthday parties in the last six months. So yes, I I you know I'm surrounded by people who are very cool at the age of fifty. But yes, this um this this chap he texted me. Mm. What I'm trying to stress is that I'm stressing this in the context yes. of the question he's asking me because he texted me and said oh you know I've got to do a birthday party for a friend of mine or it was either a friend or a, or a younger relative and he said oh um, can you tell me about any indie bangers that I might have missed within the last 10 years or so because of course he stopped doing it around then yeah. and this was one of the tunes that I came up with as I thought oh people will probably dance this it's, it's, a, it's a great tune and it was you said it was used on everything mm. it's, it's that the, that kind of riff and the high guitar riff mm. it was used as the um, as the theme music to the bbc's coverage of glastonbury a few years ago ah, i think
2: right okay good now i did advise you that this intro is probably going to be one of my worst ever so be, be ready for oh the second god right okay <clears throat> welcome to the podcast from the parish council it's episode 376 i'm terence dackham and as autumn arrives and the days turn misty and changeable don't worry Here's our woman for all seasons. It's <laughs> Juliet Harris.
1: Do you know, that's not as terrible oh. as I thought it would be. And, you know, the good thing is, is that you're setting the bar so low <laughs> and it's not very hard <laughs> to exceed it, really. So, in a way, you are the king of I might introduce you next week as the king of low expectations. <laughs> but in the meantime, hello,
2: everyone. <laughs> Um, John Dunn, Terry Wogan, Ken Bruce, Derek Jameson, Brian Hayes, Terry Wogan again, Chris Evans and now Zoe Ball. The seven (laughs) presenters in chronological order of the BBC Radio 2 Breakfast Show since its inauguration in 1970. I must confess, I had forgotten... Derek Jameson and Brian Hayes were previous hosts. <laughs> That's
1: a quiz question,
2: isn't it? A bit it like is. naming all the Doctor Who's. Yeah, it is, actually. It's good. I was rather taken by a, a tweet from Sarah Cox this week, in, who, mm. in, in reply to a Twitter follower. I never
1: know if she's Sarah or Sarah, by the oh, way. Oh, Lord. She's neither Sarah. Do I. I think she might oh, anyway. Oh, okay. Potato, um, Potato Cox,
2: yeah. Yes. Um, a, a Twitter follower consoled her on not getting the, the breakfast um, radio gig, and Miss um, Cox said, No, you're wrong. I, I got the job. Zoe Ball is just sitting in for the 42 weeks I'm on holiday, which I thought was tremendous. Now, as she was told that um, she's to continue as deputy and the news was released that Zoe Ball is to be the new host Mm. of the ever popular Radio 2 breakfast show, Jules, almost all media commentators suggested that the new host of the breakfast show had to be a woman, but with Lauren Laverne, Sarah Sarah Cox and uh, Lisa Liza Tarbuck also in the running. Has Radio 2 picked the right woman?
1: well interesting so I don't think I, firstly I'm going to have to pull you up on a factual correction mm. there unless of course you found it in a, in a reputable news source mm. um, Lauren Laverne wasn't in the running because Lauren Laverne is a six music person and actually prior to the kind of the race mm. Lauren Laverne had already been announced as the breakfast presenter for six music as of January of next year which is news that mm. I've greeted with great joy because um, I cannot stand Sean Keevan his presenting style. I'm sure he's a lovely bloke he's appeared on podcasts and I like him very much but I it will be nice to be able to listen to that again um, I, so so I think that I, with many people I thought that Sarah Cox was perfect for that job I thought I, you know I think it's a shame that they didn't go with her um, I liked that tweet some people have interpreted it as being throwing a strop I don't oh, think it's no. at all because I think that actually Sarah Cox and Zoe Baller have been, and I think, still are very good friends over the years. So I suspect it's just a, um, just a sort of a, a, a teasing joke, really. Um, I, I had become disenchanted with Chris Evans. As a, I used to listen to radio too in the mornings on the way to work, and now I find Chris Evans going on about his own life to be, you know, too mm. too much, really. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he's moving on to make a lot of money elsewhere. <laughs> this seems to be a sort of a pattern in Chris Evans breakfast mm. presenting. I wish him well, but um, I, so I would have liked Sarah Cox. I, I really like her as a radio presenter. I think she's really underrated. She she just gets on with it, and she does a lot of things really well, I think, as does Lisa Tarbuck. She, um, her evening show a Saturday evening show is a joy it really is, she mm. is a super presenter she's got really interesting taste in music, well her and or her producer, but I sense a lot of it comes from mm. her she was a, a, a club DJ I think back in the day, she used to have oh, huge record collection yeah, well she used to do it as a bit of a hobby when mm. she was an actress and um, I think we had to put it to the side because she did have a very successful acting career for quite a while, mm. but she's really good at it, but there was always a question mark, people in the know as they say said that you know, they weren't convinced she wanted that job really if you if your job on radio 2 is to present on saturday nights once a week why would you want to get up at 4am for the breakfast show every morning Mm. i kind of understand that which leaves zoe ball who i think will do a very good job and actually i put her in a similar bucket to sarah cox not because they are the 90s ladettes and not because they both did the radio 1 breakfast show themselves although that is you know they are fair comparisons but because I think because of those things, they are both very underrated as radio mm. presenters, I think. Both of them are. They have slightly different styles, but they are... Zoe Ball does run away a bit with herself sometimes, but they are both really good presenters, and I think I I think. I think she'll do really well. I was trying to explain to someone the other day, mm. we were laughing at how people that were Radio 1 fans, are they all Radio 2 fans now? Everybody got that old. And when you look at the mm. Radio 2 presenting line-up, there are a lot of recent... Mm radio one people on there including uh, joe wiley and simon mayo who now present together i you know I, I remember listening to them on radio one and i am not that old so um, but having said that my my colleague then said oh does this mean you listen to radio two and i said no luckily there's an option for those of us that are too old for radio one but mm. too young for radio two and it's called bbc six music so thank you six music for being the holding pen for us 30s and 40s <laughs> before we are released into the role of BBC or oh, Radio 2. Although, interestingly, they have freshened up their schedule a lot recently. I mean, there were lots of people that were sort of, you know, sad about the loss of the organist entertains. But, um, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the idea of the organist entertains and seeing something similar oh, was just God. kind of, oh, you know, I just, just wanted to curl up and die during mm. the Cliff Adams singers. That's no offence to Cliff Adams or any of the Cliff Adams singers who I'm sure tried very hard. But, um, yeah, I, it, it's nice to see them trying to move with the times and you could talk generally, there's maybe a conversation we had another week about how are old people getting younger all the time really, Mm. you know, parents going to music festivals with their children, someone said to me last night at this, this event I was at nice woman who is just coming up to 50, speaking of cool people in their 50s, and uh, she was explaining to me enthusiastically that she and her social circle, who are all turning 50 in the next year or so, she said, it's great. Everyone was really out into going on raving and having drugs when they were younger, and then we all had children. And now everyone's children are of teenaged age. We can all go out and take drugs again. It's amazing. And, you know, one would say is is the bar not shut for you now? But um, but having said that, you know, that sounds ridiculous catty from someone that has you know never done that sort of thing Mm. but but you know it's it's interesting you could say you know is is society getting younger as a whole and does that mean that radio 2 is having to freshen up because it's not it's not the province of of you know the cliff Adams singers Mm. anymore i don't know but um but yeah
2: well, on that point, it's certainly true that Radio 2, during the weekday at least, is the very epitome of white, middle-aged men. Chris Evans, Ken mm. Bruce, Jeremy Vine, Steve Wright in the afternoon, and Simon Mayo. I mean, and that's
1: appalling, really. It, it, really it is, and
2: for a long time it's been suggested that this long enough needs shaking up. and But the problem for the controller of Radio 2 is that these presenters remain extraordinarily successful, and mm. any attempt at change is often fiercely... Uh, resented by listeners and of course this was as apparent as recently as a few months ago this year when um joe wiley was brought in to co-present the drive time show with simon mayo and and it was to almost um universal dismay from the radio 2 audience and if, if rumors are to be believed simon mayo himself so what i wanted to ask you about this is it you know is Is positive discrimination in favour of women presenters the way forward at Radio 2 and indeed the media as a whole? Because there's always the built-in issue with positively promoting anyone from any background in order to balance or redress numbers. In that you're creating equality in that sense. But what if, using Radio 2 as an example, yet another white middle-aged bloke is more suitable and perhaps crucially more popular with the listeners is it the bbc's role to deny listeners the presenter they may prefer in order to balance the ethnic or gender equation
1: Oh, it's interesting that you say that about popularity because I mm. don't know—I do not know anyone who can stick Ken Bruce. I—I I think he's awful, and uh, you know this is in my opinion. Mm. And but the the thing is, and you know, obviously, all of these radio presenters are more successful than me at radio presenting by dint mm. of being on radio too. So what do I know, man? I'm just some gobby person that's on a podcast. But I am—I um, think that. My dad got it on the now with Ken Bruce when he said I cannot stand Ken Bruce all he ever does is go on and on and on about drinking all the time and making constant jokes mm-hmm. about it and it just sounds like somebody trying to be cool says my 78 year old dad mm-hmm. but he's absolutely who is cool by not trying to be cool but he's absolutely right I think the problem with the Joe Wiley and Simon Mayo thing I don't have a problem with with Radio 2 trying to trying to freshen up their lineup and actually parts of Radio Two's daytime genuinely do own stale and i will use six music as an example mm. as well i grew up listening to steve Lamack of whom i am inordinately fond he's sort of my generation's mm. john Peel. i thought he was brilliant he to love the evening session which funny enough was co-presented by him and joe wiley at first and actually worked very well and then she she got offered her own shows she wasn't going to freshen up alone but she, they just thought she was good enough to carry her own shows so Lemack then ended up doing the evening session by herself and she went on and did lunch times i think on radio one which she was very good at so so i think he's great you know or rather i thought i thought he was great for years he's very important to me um bbc6 music did a, a, a recently before they announced their changes they did an all-day thing where they replaced everyone that was male in the daytime line, lineup mm. so lauren laverne was doing mid-morning so she stayed mm. but everyone else until the evening was taken away and replaced by a woman as a kind of a celebrating it wasn't mm. international women's day it was women in music day i think mm. and they had amy LeMay, who does sunday afternoons oh, yeah. on uh six at the moment replacing steve Lemack. and and subsequently they changed the daytime schedule so they changed lorna came in for, for, for sean keeveny's uh, um breakfast uh mary hobbs has been given lorna has been morning slots um and sean keeveny has been moved to two to afternoons the one show it seemed to me that was in desperate need of change, that sounded really tired and it wasn't really going anywhere, was Steve a uh, mm. Drive Time show. And that's the one show that stayed untouched. <laughs> and I think it is reasonably popular. But when you talk about the, um, the, the sort of need to, to, you know, not upset listeners... I don't always get the impression. That's what. That's the main reason behind mm. it. I often get the impression, and my friend Neil was saying to me the other day, there was always the fear amongst younger music fans about, or rather, sorry, older music fans that remember the kind of Peel years. That the that there was worry at the BBC that Steve Lemack would become untouchable and sort of unmovable. It didn't stop them messing around with John Peel in his later years, which was disgraceful, I think, and added to his to his poor health. But I find it. I'm not convinced by the. I'm not entirely convinced by the argument. Oh well, why give? Why give um, people? Why 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 give people the stuff that they don't want? I think the problem with Joe Wiley and Simon Mayo, and I've heard that show, and I don't think it works. Mm. Um, and partly because I don't think, like you say, Mayo wanted to do it in the first place joe wiley went on my much loved fortunately podcast with a with the free glover and jane garvey and was very diplomatic about it It was just before it was due to start mm. and but she did say they did two or three rehearsals and they were terrible and she was very open about that yeah. and um which was interesting actually mm. to be her be that candid but the issue was that i i don't think it was the bbc being too brave I don't think it was the BBC being brave and en- it was the BBC not being brave enough if you mm. see what I mean because I think rather than shit that really was positive discrimination of shoehorning a woman into a drive time format that otherwise worked pretty well I mean mm. you know Simon Mayo occasionally I find him a bit irritating but the format worked really well I used to listen to it on the way home and it was a good format with good people in it their side people were good everything you know had good features the book club the confessions it worked you know it was it was good so shoehorning another voice into it wasn't going to work. What they should have done was be brave and say to Ken Bruce, "Look, I'm sorry, but this is you know this isn't really working anymore. This is sounding very tired. You sound very tired. The music on the Ken Bruce show is, by and large, appalling. It has to be said. <laughs> I don't know if it's him or the producer, but it's always horrible mid eighties synth." Synth, the kind of weak stuff that should have been forgotten the first time round. They should have said to him, "Look, this isn't really working." And given that to Joe Wiley or something, why shoot that? It doesn't work. They shoot themselves in the foot. You you can refresh shows, and I think it is right. It is wrong that you don't hear a female voice on on you know. You didn't hear a female voice at all on BBC Day, you know, Radio mm-hmm. Two. There's no excuse for that. There's no point. It's not interesting. It's not diverse. It's boring not to hear female voices. It's not you know, political correctness gone mm-hmm. mad. It's artistically really boring
2: Well, as I've proved with my mispronunciation of Sarah Cox I'm not much of a Radio <laughs> to listener And in, in terms of the Radio 2 Breakfast show I must say it won't affect me Because I don't enjoy being yelled at first thing yeah. in the morning So,
0: but it's possible,
1: Who knows, it might be interesting it'd be, it'd be interesting to hear if Zoe Ball does Because mm. actually, when Sarah Cox that. used to sit in She didn't actually She was quite... Um, she, she was quite. She, she's a subtler broadcaster than people think she is, and I think the
2: same goes for Zoe Ball. So let's see. Come, coming next, changing the lyrics to classic hits to make them more acceptable to today's audiences, as you said a minute ago. Is it political correctness gone mad? Uh, that's next. Run it after the Kills. Next.
1: just, so kind of, it's a little bit like the clapping song, except slightly nastier <laughs> if you see what I mean, I, I, I just love the bounce of that, it's great um, they band called The Kills they are two. They were two people, I think I'm not sure they're still going or not, I think they are um, in a slightly sort of in a slightly quieter way, but it was it's a woman called Alison Mosshart who is a, was known as Vivi in The Kills, and she they are still going apparently, I've just looked this up, and mm. she also is perhaps known for singing in one of Jack White's many side projects of the dead weather and the other chap is a is a bloke called jamie Hints who's known as hotel in the kills who uh, those of us indie nostalgics of a a certain age will remember scarfo who were a very badly behaved band from the early Mm. 90s and he was he was in them as well i um i i believe that jamie hints if i i'm trying to remember this correctly um he may have he may have been married to kate moss i can't remember there was some there was some, yeah. He was married to Kate mm. Moss, and they they were married for a few years, and then they divorced in 2016, apparently. So so he um, so they became a bit more sort of famous and glamorous for doing that, really. But I I've, I've always been a big fan of them. They they became they had a bit of a profile as a result of. I think they they are a great band in their own right, but I think that the White Stripe's success as a male-female duo was helpful to them, if you see what I mean. But um, they've had some great albums, and that came from Midnight Boom, I believe. I'm just looking it up to check. Um, but they... Uh, they um, Did it come from Midnight Boom? Uh, yeah, it did. It came from Midnight Boom. There's some great song titles in that, by the way. I quite like Alphabet Pony as a title <laughs> as well. It came, I can't believe how old that is now. It's 10 years old, I think, and it's, it's, that's called Sour Cherry.
2: The one big fact I know about the kills is that Jamie Hintz hurt his hand really badly and had to have five operations.
0: Yes, he did. And had to
2: learn to play the guitar again because one of his uh, all he had to start all over again because one of his fingers doesn't work at all. I believe. So yeah,
1: that's ridiculous, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is.
2: In a recent New York revival of My Fair Lady, the di- director received both praise and criticism for changing the ending so that Eliza is seen more positively. Um, I must say I've always had a problem with My Fair Lady in that I love the songs but dislike the the premise and the storyline which is openly patronising to the poor and so-called less educated um but should the whole play be rewritten to accommodate um, you know, such concerns? 42nd Street continues to be hugely successful. Yes, my mum
1: and her friend went the other week and very much enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, it
2: might be worth asking in its London run, because in the light of the Harvey Weinstein era, there are significant issues. Um, I've seen 42nd Street a couple of times. The behaviour of the lead character um, you know, it, it is uh, questionable in today's mm. environment. And when The King and I was revived at the London Palladium this summer, the Guardian's Christmas... Critic Michael Billington described the basis of the show as a as a problem to be solved, as much as a show to be enjoyed, mm. because of the dated, uh, imperialistic uh, yeah, premise how of it.
1: So, yeah, how to solve a problem like Korea? Although I don't
2: think <laughs> it is in Korea somewhere else, isn't it? Yeah, Siam as it was called oh, back then. Indeed, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, All of which leads us to this summer's huge feel-good movie, Mm. Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Songs written by the two male members of ABBA, Bjorn Ulvaeus and Benny Anderson. They've been rewritten to change rather very awkward lyrics written in the mid-1970s. So Jules should, if we're so inclined, if we were to go and see The King and I, or in this case the new ABBA movie... Should, should we keep the old storylines and lyrics, and perhaps wince in our seats, or are the directors and writers correct to change or alter both to to relate to more modern values?
1: Well, it's difficult,
2: isn't it? it? Is.
1: I i, I... I, you know, I knew this was coming up as a question, and I still don't have an answer for it. So let's talk about the fact that I don't have an answer for it for a minute or two. <laughs> um, so, so it's interesting. There are a few ABBA songs. The one that was singled out, particularly in this article in the Cough Daily Mail that you sent to me, mm. um, was um, was I was about the I, when I kissed the teacher. However, having said that, I've been DJing out before and played "Does Your Mother Know?" and thought, oh, this isn't ideal. Um, it, it's it's you know to what extent are things of their time and to what extent do we then need to adapt them for today it's difficult to to kind of adapt it's difficult to know where to draw the line is what as i suppose what i'm saying um i would defend mamma mia now i have never seen either of the mamma mia films um which i know uh, puts me in a very small minority within britain there is i'm not one of those people that you know likes to necessarily make i i don't think boasting of your ignorance of something particularly is a virtue so although i haven't said that there used to be a thing on, on, on radio 4 called i've never seen star wars where someone would go on usually a comedian and they would be made to do something that was quite mainstreamly popular that they had never done. And the thing would be mainstreamly popular to the point where it was a bit, un- not, you know, negative, but a mm. bit unusual not to have done it. So, um, so you know, I'd never seen Soul, example. If I was going to go on that, I am one of the only, and particularly given my age and given that I was a teenager mm. in the mid-90s, I'm one of the only people I know who's never seen the film Titanic. Mm. So that would be that would be my thing. But so so I haven't seen the Mamma Mia films, but I believe you might be able to help me on this, that they are both... Uh, this new one particularly is done in flashback.
2: Right. And so, uh, I haven't uh, seen either of them oh, th- right, myself. So I believe <laughs> that it's done in
1: flashback because it's to do with sort of flashing back right. in time, I think. And as a result of which... I wonder if that might have been a get-out clause mm. to them, because you could genuinely say that it was of his time, because mm. it was taken in the nineteen seventies. It's it, the, the big, the sort of philosophical, philosophical question, which I'm not sure if I or indeed you, as sage as you are, can answer in the, in, in sort of the, the theme, the whole of the hallowed hall of this podcast catacomb. <laughs> is is to what extent is something ever of its time? And, you know, can, can we ever contextualise stuff that's happened in the past by saying, oh, well, it was OK then? Is it OK for us to say, oh, it's it's OK to have been racist in the past, but it's not OK to be racist now. It's OK to have had dodgy relationships with people that were too young for you in the past, but it's not OK to do that now. So, I, it, artistically, does, is it right to change the lyrics? Someone has pointed out about this I Kiss the Teacher thing that, you know, mm. I said, well, you've changed the lyrics, but it is still, you know, someone being besotted well, with a exactly, teacher, yeah. and there's and there's two ways to that, there's two, that slices both ways, it's either, oh, well, what was the point, or it's, no, look, actually, you can do this without altering the artistic content, it's still what the song is about, it's just not as icky as it used to be, I don't know, it's, it's, uh, I haven't reached a conclusion there, but I, 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 I do understand that censorship is a worrying thing, but equally, You know, I think we should be proud of the fact that we are evolving as a culture and we don't do rotten things anymore.
2: I remember we talked oh a couple of years ago now mm. about how Elton John no longer plays Island Girl oh, yes, in his current set oh and we were talking list.
1: about about sort of terrible song lyrics mm. that, were, that were just that really haven't stood up and I think I talked about You 16 Girls by Travis which mm. was based in the early in the mid 90s which is shocking that it was that
2: recent I, I think, think. It's, it's relevant to this Rabba uh, sorry Abba issue because mm. um, well, well uh, Rabba
1: the tribute band they're Rabba they're yeah Jewish Abba tribute band Rabba
2: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah they, they they uh they they uh rap all the lyrics in in, yeah. in a jewish a- a- available
1: for weddings and bar mitzvahs yeah
2: <laughs> um the, the, you know the rolling stones it's more difficult um for them to drop like island girl elton just dropped it um mm. rolling stones so many of their songs have oh, misogyny brown
0: sugar is awful yeah, yeah
2: misogyny and, and and it's sort of underlying racism strewn right through them and <laughs> um I was thinking about this uh, uh, yesterday. I think ACDC had moronic, sexist lyrics throughout. Oh, and I really, wonder... Yeah. Mungo Jerry is still touring, and I don't know if Ray Dorset still sings the couplet If her dad is rich, take her out for a meal. If her dad is poor, just do what you feel. Oh, no. Um, and
1: then, uh, that, that whole song... is, And then have a drink, have a drive. Yes, ended indeed. up being used in a drink-driving campaign effort.
2: See, I've got one more, one more quick example, because mm. it's got me thinking, and I was I was trying to think off the top of my head... and. I, I I, um, I remembered... Uh, now, Ray Charles is revered, isn't he, as a, a, mm. as, as a oh, performer? I got I know
1: what you're going to say, yeah.
2: I got a woman... Uh, here's the lyrics. She's there to love me both day and night. Never fusses or grumbles, always treats me right. Never running in the street, leaving me alone. She knows a woman's place. Is right here now, in her home. Oh,
0: uh,
1: well, I mean, Ray, Ray Charles... Charles. Problematic, generally. I remember seeing something once talking about his backing group of backing female singers, the Raylette. And I remember a woman saying rather bitterly once, "If you want to be a Raylette, you've got to let Ray." Oh
2: Lord, yes. Yeah. So it is—it is, is quite the conundrum. mean stick with the mm. original, and then you just have to accept it as a window into a world, as you say, in which we're no longer comfortable um, or wish to inhabit, or change it all to meet modern standards, and you lose what might be called the authenticity. The yeah, the artistic. Into the past
1: integrity of it yes i think my view is is that you can have it as a window to the past but i just have a problem with people who are very sad about the fact that 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 it's not acceptable for them to behave sexistly and racistly anymore
2: up above the streets and houses rainbow climbing
1: (laughs) high that is beautiful thanks darren that was really nice thank you
2: memories of rainbow jeffrey hayes and children's tv next it's right after this excellent new single from grace carter
3: feel your ghost, smell you all over my clothes Oh, all your smells stuck with me longer than you did I had my doubts, I had to check it all out And now I see that you've run back when I thought you'd quit You took my hair out of your lungs So you could breathe Story. I'm not trying to burn myself, but I can't let it go. Piece by piece, uncovering dishonesty. Never been truth in anything. I
2: love this new single it's such a powerful emotional voice um, this is what Grace Carter tweeted about it last week um, I wrote this song about my father choosing another life over raising me the video represents the literal and emotional journey I took only to find out he wanted them and not me so I, I, I strongly recommend the video too as mm. uh, to go with it she's just turned 21 this is her powerful new single Grace Carter and why her not me
1: yeah, I'm very excited about her actually. Mm. I think I'm really looking forward to seeing what she does. We we've, we've got some fantastic female artists in Britain at the moment and I think it's relevant to say this. I don't want to crassly compare them, but when I think of some of the sort of um, Bame, so sort of ethnic minority women that have mm. come up in the last few years. You know, they've, they've been the most exciting artists. They've mm. been amazing. You know, people like Leanne Le Havis and Lauren and Vula, and you know, so many. You know, to, to name but a couple. Mm. And uh, Nadine Shah, she's also mm. superb. Should have won the Mercury. You know, I, 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 I'm really encouraged by the fantastic voices that are coming through in the last mm. few years, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what she's got to do as well because I, you know, she, there's so much promise to her.
2: Absolutely, it's peculiar how we can be affected by the death of people we don't actually know in in real life, but perhaps we grew up with in terms of our influences in music, radio, mm. television. I was saddened this week by the death of Jeff Jeff Emmerich, the mm. Beatles engineer. Never met him, didn't know how. Uh, it was uh, rather uh, underreported, I thought. Yes, yeah. Well, I suppose it's not a huge name to the sort of general public in the canon of mm. music uh, history, but um. I, really, I only really knew about his magnificent work at Abbey Road He was a very young man And immediately mm. I thought of how his work on Tomorrow Never Knows Sergeant Pepper Band on the run he, By that time he was chief engineer to George Martin as a producer And um, I think they wouldn't have sounded so great without, without his skills And Jules, equally, you felt saddened this week By the death of a man who presented over 1,000 episodes Of a children's TV show that, that you grew up with
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I I was genuinely very sad. I think Mm. we talked about celebrity deaths before Mm. and how they can, you know, the terrible year that was 2016 and how they could sort of touch us all. The one that saddened me the most that year, you know, Bowie and Prince, of course, Mm. but Victoria Wood, the loss of Mm. Victoria Wood, particularly if she hadn't even made it apparent that she was ill, um, that that really did feel like a member of my family going because she's had such a huge influence on my sort of life and thinking. And similarly... Uh, t- to hear that Jeffrey Hayes had died made me so sad, because when I looked back on my childhood, Rainbow was a huge, I mean hilariously it was a huge part of it, and some might mm. say you know, the sign of the, cy- it was an early shoot of the cynical times that we live in, that not only was I a huge fan of Rainbow, the TV programme which was presented by Jeffrey Hayes, mm. uh, starring Bungle, Zippy and George, I was also a big consumer at uh, the, uh, the, uh, the annual that came out every Ooh. year in time for Christmas, used to be top of my Christmas list, and also I was an enthusiastic consumer of rainbow comic which was either weekly or, Gosh, or, or nightly yes and i had a zippy jumper that my nan admitted <laughs> me as well and uh and and plush toys so it was one of the first kind of tv programs that i think the marketing men really got hold of but um i it, you know it, it was a great program and funnily enough i um i had referenced it a couple of days before he died A friend of mine called maggie was um sort of a, bemusedly sharing a link to something on, on uh, Facebook. It was one of the, from one of those money, sa- one of those sort of chat style women's weekly magazines mm-hmm. and it was money saving tips and there was a woman <laughs> going on about how she saved toilet roll insides and the various people kind of very bemused at this and in my brain it immediately went to an episode of Rainbow that had, it was, it was unexpectedly sophisticated <laughs> it had a large dream sequence in it I think. Hmm. I said after, I know this sounds like I'm on drugs but I'm really sure <laughs> that this happened. It had a dream sequence that featured a courtroom scene. This is in Rainbow. Right. And George, who was rather a rather fet pink hippo, mm. had been nominated to play the judge. And there, was, and I, I swear to God, this did happen. There was mm. this great scene where George is, is hosting, you know, sort of judging, in what appears to be a sort of barrister-style wig that he is wearing and at one point he breaks the fourth wall by addressing the camera and says do you like my wig? Geoffrey <laughs> made it for me out of toilet rolls and every <laughs> time I see toilet rolls now, I it just genuinely look like but it was quite clearly the inside of toilet rolls glued together and it was also perhaps a, n- a nod to the fact that I don't think that programme had any budget at all so so there was, they obviously had a lot <laughs> of fun doing that but I loved Rainbow I, it was just the best programme for me as a kid and my mum often tells stories of me not being very well and watching Rainbow and it was just and of course the um, you know, perhaps Rod Jane and Freddie were rather of their time. It was rumoured that the that the female was married to one and then another, so I think it was all very much the free love seventies and eighties. But um but no and and they there was a stage show. I went to see it at the Hastings wow. White Rock more than once, I think, along with Butter Moon. That was like I say, it was really one of the first multimedia type programmes before multimedia was even a thing, if you see what I mean. But no, Jeffrey Hayes was just the grown-up that you trusted, he was—he was so—he mm. was, so, was so good on it. I was sorry to hear of his not decline, but his struggle to find other work afterwards. He was also in Z Cars, apparently, before mm. that. So, but um, no, it was—I—I I am saddened because Rainbow did genuinely bring me so much joy as a child. It was uh, quite an important part of my cultural life as a small child, and I, you know, and and I'm grateful to him. being there really and for for all of them you know the the hippo the bear and whatever zippy was for being there really because Mm. it was it was you know it 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 was you know a wonderful program and i know so many people that are so saddened by it also the theme tune performed by triangle the full version is like this kind of prog rock classic it's (laughs) really really good and one of the first bits of musical detail that i remember being captured by as a small child i remember being able to to play um the bass line to a different corner. was it George Michael or was it Wham? I can't remember which mm. one it was, Gonzalez, but it has that oh, dum dum. Oh yeah. And I remember as a three or four year old working out that if I shifted my weight on the sofa and tapped the springs I could recreate that sound. And that was my <laughs> first kind of musical mem- detail. But I remember the 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 bit of the rainbow theme that they use at the beginning because it's a short obviously it's short over the opening titles before it fades out just before it fades out there is an amazing drum fill that and I remember thinking God that's really good and 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 I have looked it up when I was in, in bed a couple of years ago I looked it up. To remember the drum field to see it was as good as I remembered it and it genuinely was so um so so you know what can I say rainbow has shaped my world a lot and I'm really sorry that Jeffrey Hayes has died but that but you know I'm inordinately grateful to him and Matthew Corbett from the Sooty Show as well all mm. those people that were just the people in my childhood that I thought were amazing.
2: Earlier this year, there was a poll that, in my view, turned up some peculiar results. It, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't. Saying, like
1: it poll, wasn't. polls do nowadays. It
2: wasn't Brexit. <laughs> or,
1: or, or the American presidential election. Exactly. Or the general election. Yeah. It,
2: it was a poll run by the Radio Times magazine to establish the top 50 mm-hmm. children's TV shows of all time here in the UK. And probably because it wasn't voted on by the general public, but by a so-called panel of experts, it threw up some curious results. Um, No surprise that this safe panel chose the equally safe Blue Peter as its number one. But I had to go through the top 50 three or four times to make sure I hadn't made a mistake and missed um, missed it, That, that, that nowhere in the top 50 was there room for... Blue Peter's exciting nemesis on ITV, Magpie, with a super cool long-haired Mick Robinson, I know before your time, and every 14-year-old boy's dream woman, Susan Stranks. Yes. Not even in the top 50. Now, here's my point, uh, main point to you. The top five were as follows. Um, mm. uh, number five, multicoloured swap shop. Very mm-hmm. exciting. Tis was at four. Yeah. Number three was news round. No child would ever vote for that. As uh, play, no, but
1: think. it is an excellent programme. Mm. The thing I lo- and, and I still like to watch it as a person because as an adult because they did an excellent. Um, I'm sorry to, to knock you off this. We will go back to this, but yeah. they did an excellent. Um, article recently that was aimed at children that called what to do if you're concerned about or worried about the news and basically everyone i know was like i love this advice mm-hmm. and i'm 40 this is amazing and i also enjoy Newsnight was was king of the um of the tonal shift that we now see on 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 breakfast tv where they feel they have to do a light story and it mm-hmm. was always you know grimly entertaining to see Newsnight talking about the gulf war and the somalian famine and then in other news a panda tied a ribbon today you know <laughs> (laughs) I very much enjoyed Newsnight's tonal shifts. But, yes, you are right. Mm. Um, This is adults voting, isn't it? And and adults kind of trying to revise their past to make themselves look good, isn't it, rather than
2: necessarily what they would have enjoyed. Number three, what was Newsnight? Number two, Grange Hill. And, as we said, Blue Peter at number one. Now, here's the thing, Jules. Rainbow, scandalously, at lowly number 30. Oh, of all the I top think TV it, I'm
1: going uh, to turn into Ed Milliband and, and demand a judge-led inquiry about this. Yes, I think mm. I think it's a uh, well, it's it's, but it's not voted on by the public, is it? It's it's. By it, was, it was an
2: experts panel of experts who, by the way, included Noel Edmonds. I just saw in the list well, of. Had, the, hence,
1: hence the good performance of Multicoloured Tights. Yes, it's so it's surprise for a sec. so, so if, Yes, funny that. But yes, as as well as as Michael Gove would put it, maybe we are sick of it. Sick of experts. of sick of experts. I don't know. So fair they're always arbitrary, these things. Fairly they?
2: well this week to Jeff Emmerich and Jeffrey Hayes. But the thing, mm-hmm. you, something you mentioned there, I found it inc- uh, earlier on very patronising, the reporting. Um, it was kind of in, in a kind of, oh, look how the mighty have fallen, that um, Jeffrey Hayes worked in a supermarket in his later years. And I thought, well, so what? You know, yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't he was on TV ta- anymore. a taxi
1: driver as well. well he driving. famously appeared in an advert in the, in the mid to late 90s and attempting to sort of be in on the joke which I admire him for doing actually well I think it was not for Virgin Finance but something like that I remember my mum telling me about it and then us watching it where he did work in a supermarket and not long after it was because it was an expose at the time in the tabloids because you know how much the tabloids like to kick people when they're down so that was published as a story and then not long after that I think in order to claim ownership of it much like Dancing Queen Theresa May um, he did this <laughs> advert whereby um, whereby he was pushing he was pushing trolleys back, a stack of trolleys back in a supermarket, and it was to do with this this company, but, but manage your finances well. And someone went up to him, working in this supermarket in a uniform, went, "Jeffrey Hayes and Rainbow, do you wish you managed your money better?" And he went, "Well, yeah, I do actually." Mm. And then it just <laughs> moved on to something else. So, so yeah, like you say, it's a sneery. To be mm. fair to the press, they are consistent because they were sneery during his life as well. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I am. Um, I agree. I didn't like that very much. But you know, what does it matter when he spent so many years. He's that bloke's brought joy to thousands, possibly even out tens or hundreds of thousands.
2: Absolutely, and, and you know, good for him to you know for going out and finding something else to do. I mean, you absolutely,
1: and for getting on with it and yeah. not doing that tedious thing of "I'm not famous anymore, mm. I'm going to drink myself to death." Good
2: yes. for him. When you're not working on your audition for Radio Two uh, this week, where where might we find you?
1: Well, yes, having you know been horrible about everyone on BBC Radio, <laughs> I'm sure I have opened the many, many doors now. But um, yeah, I, you will find me. Um, where will you find me? I'm not sure where I'm finding me. This, but just look at the, the diary. Oh, yes, I think I'm uh, doing Indie Wonderland if everything works this week on mm. the uh, on the 10th of October, so Wednesday the 10th of October, barracuda dot com. Indie alt rock miscellaneous. I may. I, I'm going to try and see if I can record this week's show and put it up on Mixcloud because it was a really good show and I did mm. work really hard on it so I still might try and find a way mm. of getting that out there um, you can also find me I maybe, this isn't confirmed confirmed yet but St Mary in the Castle which is an organisation in Hastings a beautiful arts venue of which I am a trustee is having a bonfire, we're having bonfire Ooh. night in Hastings so bonfire season is a huge thing down here in Sussex mm. and everyone, they, I think it might have started already, basically it's every weekend for ages and ages and ages it's basically the same people in striped jumpers and top hats and uh, <laughs> and you know sort of mummers and, and, and drums and it's all a lot and lots of drinking
2: obviously and it's and a, a lot out, of burning effigies of Donald Trump I imagine well you know?
1: yeah so that has happened before mm. there's always a big debate over what mm. the effigy should be um, but um, yeah Lewis particularly are sort of famous for doing that really um, I think they burnt Theresa May one year but uh, yes there's always lots of burning effigies but um, but uh, the Hastings bonfire in, in the sequence is on the thirteenth of October, and we're going to have some people in at mm-hmm. St Mary's, I think, and I think I'm DJing at that. So that may or may not happen, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's what I'm doing this week.
2: Thanks to you <laughs> for listening. Yeah. And thanks to
0: executive
2: <laughs> <laughs> thanks to executive producers uh, Rona and Hilly.
1: Yeah, I, I was a bit for a minute. I was a bit like Steve Wright. Woo <laughs> people! Woo yeah! Woo woo! woo. All right. So a big a big woo for for Rona and Hilly particularly.
2: <laughs> when all of the world is in turmoil all around us Jules there's always PJ Harvey
1: there is and she is my kind of comfort thing to go to but there is actually a relevancy hmm. for me picking her this week which is that part of the what will become the phantom show which I may try oh, and record... Oh yes I hope I you was do I was going to celebrate five classic albums that were what I deemed to be classic albums that were celebrating anniversaries of their release um, during the past Mm. week. And one of them was Is This Desire by PJ Harvey, which is 20 years old now, apparently, which I can't believe where the Mm. time goes. But um, it's one of her records which... Commercially, well, as she said once in a, in an interview on BBC Six Music when I was at university, it's been about ten or or thirteen years ago. Um, you know, she said not a lot of people liked it and not many people bought it, but it's my favourite. And I and and it's you know that's a nice summary, I think, because it's it's not. It, it, it's it's not always an easy listen, both in music, both musically and in subject matter. There are an awful lot of women who are having a bad time on this album. It has to be said, mm. um, that, that are all named, in fairness. But um, I, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a really lovely album that's really stood the test of time I think I've like it's a sign of a really great album I think if you if you if it reveals more to you on repeated listens and if it grows in stature over time and I'm pick, it's almost impossible to pick a tune from it but I do particularly like this so not to be confused with the Bruce Springsteen tune <laughs> this is BJ Harvey and this is the river
0: and they came to the river and they came from the road. the sun just to
1: have been listening to a DACA Media production.